Hello and welcome back. I'm Pahini Lampart, your host and companion, still rolling down this trippy wormhole of MS with you. Today I want to explore my journey to diagnosis and how my search for answers when everything around me seemed to be crumbling helped me get in touch with my faith and the spiritual dimension at large. Thank you. Thank you so much to all of you who tuned in, shared the podcast on your page, or took the time to write a personal message with your thoughts or feedback. I appreciate each and every one of you so much because it's the most extraordinary feeling in the world when you make yourself vulnerable in this capacity. And it's not only received graciously, but celebrated and mirrored with shared sense of vulnerability. That feeling of being seen at this level of depth in this community that is still in its early stages, but it's truly magical. So thank you. I can't fully express how empowered I've felt since releasing this into the matrix. I've been floating in my truth since the initial release. I walk with an extra pet for sure right now. It's just because I know that even if someone finds out, it won't change my reality one bit. My family always knew, but my work knows and quote unquote world knows too. When I initially sat down to record the episode, I spent the first few times just tearing up uh, talking about the diagnosis because I'd immediately be transported back to that summer in my mind. It was the summer of 2012 and I was on my way to Milwaukee to visit my college roommate. But as our plane began to descend, I started experiencing an unusual sensation of pressure in my ears. Now at first, I just brushed it off as the typical discomfort of ears popping during my flight. But there was something a little strange during this episode. Alongside the ear pressure, there was an unsettling feeling of dizziness. I tried to ease the discomfort by drinking water so I was hydrating and I kept trying to convince myself that I just needed to get some rest and lay down and everything would be okay. But this sensation of ear pressure and dizziness continued throughout the entire weekend I spent in Milwaukee. Once I was back in DC, I wasted no time going to urgent care. The doctors there told me to see a neurologist because my head was spinning and they told me that I had an episode of vertigo. There wasn't much they could do at the urgent care. That That's the only thing they could tell me. But I'm very happy they told me to go to a neurologist. The days leading up to my neurologist appointment were basically a haze of exhaustion and weird symptoms. I would try to get through work, but most of the time I end up ended up having to leave and go home. I had zero energy and I started getting these tingling sensations in my extremities. Finally, when I met the neurologist, it was a full-on investigation into my family's health history and a deep dive into all of my symptoms. He asked me if I'd been camping and I let him know that um, I had gone on a backcountry camping trip a few months ago. And that's when he brought up Lyme disease, asking if I knew anything about it. I only know that it shows up as a target um, and it's because of a tick, but I didn't know 
know anything else. He said that he wanted to run some blood tests, including the Western blot test, to check if I caught Lyme during my camping adventure. He was right. The test confirmed that I had Lyme disease and a B12 shortage. At first, it felt like we cracked the case, and I thought I'd bounce back in no time once I took these, these antibiotics. He told me I could either take them orally or I could do an infusion. Now, I already had plans to visit my friend's family in Buenos Aires and then go to another friend's wedding in Rio. You can imagine a 25-year-old would not give that up. And as predicted, I did not. During my travels, there was this weird feeling of imbalance that just stuck around. It made me question if things were actually getting back to normal because some part of it seemed to be, but there's just this uneasy feeling. I was taking antibiotics as promised. But when I got home and checked in with the neurologist, he told me that I needed to get an antibiotic infusion, ASAP, to wipe out Lyme for good. And also threw in the idea of getting an MRI because it would show us what our next step needed to be. After the MRI, it was obvious that there were these spots or lesions that the doctor thought might be from either MS or a vitamin B12 deficiency. Honestly, it all felt like a blur after he said MS and I can't recall a word he said. But after getting the antibiotic infusion, I started feeling a bit more like myself and ended up diving into Google to figure out if what I was experiencing with tingling in my extremities was extended Lyme. It just didn't make sense to me when I was looking at MS demographics, how I could end up with MS. I have no family history of it. I grew up in India, which is closer to the equator, and the geographical distribution is primarily among people that are from the higher latitudes and not near the equator. Even in terms of ethnicity, it's more prevalent among white women. So in terms of gender, yes. It lines up. The ratio is something like two to one. As soon as I had started having symptoms and told my mom, she'd immediately called her older sister, my Masi, who happens to be an anesthesiologist. Now, this is how the Indian network works. As soon as my Masi got off the phone with my mom, she immediately phoned up her friend who happens to be a renowned specialist in this field and got me an appointment at no cost. These doctors did some additional tests, looked at my scans, and agreed with my neurologist in DC after speaking with me about my symptoms. I had multiple sclerosis. The family was comfortable with the diagnosis, but I hadn't wrapped my mind around it. The delay in treatment worsened my symptoms to the point where I could no longer feel my right leg or arm and had a lot of difficulty walking. I was rolled onto and off the flight back to DC in a wheelchair. This was an experience that left a lasting impression on me. It was the first time I looked at people who didn't see me. They only saw my disability or different ability. It's not that anyone was rude. It was more about how they interacted with me. No one spoke with me unless it was necessary because I think the wheelchair made them uncomfortable 
And when they did, they spoke to me like I was a child with a look of pity in their eyes, as if the wheelchair somehow lowered my IQ. They would slow down their speech and avoid making eye contact for too long while they were talking. I made a promise to myself right there and then to never look at anyone in this manner and to learn their story instead of imposing my own fears into how I interacted with them. My first relapse has been the worst one to date. The thing about first is you don't fully know what to expect, so you envision the worst-case scenarios. Now that I had a diagnosis, the Googling began. The internet is a mirror in many ways. It reflects what you bring with you, so it can be a dangerous wormhole that will provide you with a lot of scary results you should probably avoid with a vague diagnosis like MS. When you're on this path, know that your life in the physical, emotional, social, psychological, and spiritual paradigms will shift and status quo at all levels will be called into question. There will be so many more unknowns than knowns. You have to get real cozy with not knowing. And it's something that that's what living with this requires is comfort with not having all of the answers. And there are a lot of unpredictable factors that come into play, especially in the beginning. So what you're really embarking on is a journey being okay, not being okay for the rest of your life. That's what I mean when I say transformation. On a physical level, you might have to adapt daily routines or use mobility aids like a cane or wheelchair. You could have to make modifications to your living space based on severity of your condition. We're making a modification right now in our home for that very reason. My husband is building a bathroom on the first floor, so I'll have easy access to a restroom on each floor of our home after it's done. On an emotional level, you always have to be on the lookout for depression and anxiety. Living with any chronic condition can lead to feelings of just hopelessness. There are a lot of uncertainties with a disease like MS. It also comes with mood swings. The physical challenges and especially unpredictability can result in mood swings, especially if you're not self-aware. Socially, you might experience isolation initially just because until you're used to your physical limitations and your symptoms, you kind of want to withdraw from your surroundings. It is very difficult to engage in regular social activities the way you used to post-diagnosis. The relationship dynamics change a lot. It will show you who your real friends are. It's not just about meeting up for a quick drink at the bar. It's about who's going to show up for me when I am laid out in bed because there's not a thing I can do to move at this time. It will impact relationships with family, friends, especially acquaintances. It's hard to maintain those acquaintance level relationships. It's doable on a professional level, so don't get me wrong when I say it's difficult to maintain relationships. It might impact only in that your BS meter is very low. Psychologically, you might run into cognitive changes. I know it has impacted my cognitive functions, my memory, ability to pay attention, and my processing speed has slowed. 
spiritually is where I saw the greatest shift. I became not just curious, but obsessed with finding meaning and purpose. Now, remember, I was 25 at this time, so my ego was in the driver's seat. I started thinking about what my legacy was going to be. How was I going to be remembered? I wanted to take the time during my medical leave from my job to figure out what I was meant to do here on Earth. I read E.F. Schumacher's Small is Beautiful, Economics as if People Mattered, and felt inspired to do something to address the casino capitalism that plagued our planet. If I was going to have fewer good years left, I was going to make them count. I was an economist by study, but I don't believe in the underlying rationality principle. I know I'm not the only one who is driven by emotions. It was important to me to keep my mind occupied and inspired. I was desperately trying to find something that made life worth living. So international development caught my eye, helping others and traveling internationally. Dealing with MS has been a spiritual wake-up call for me. In my quest for meaning and a sense of spiritual community, I was speaking with a friend and I just mentioned that when I tried to go to a temple, it was a bit tough because when you're there all by yourself, temples often have a more family vibe. So even though I was raised Hindu, going to a temple by myself where I was seeking solace, I don't know, it just didn't feel right. So at that time, my friend suggested checking out the Buddha Center um, that she goes to uh, the SGI um, Center where they follow Nichiren Buddhism. Now, I didn't know a lot about Nichiren Buddhism specifically, but I was raised Hindu and as a result, I was always aware of Buddhism. Um, So I decided to give it a shot. Surprisingly, it turned out to align with so many of my previous beliefs. So being raised Hindu, there were some things that I felt that um, there was too much emphasis placed on your role within um, family, society, while those are important. I don't think it focuses on self-growth enough. And with Nichiren Buddhism, it focuses on self-growth a lot. I mean, that's the entire premise of this. So um, it's and it's the other thing was also that it was a very simple practice. Now, the cool thing about this is that it's not like you convert to a different religion. This is a practice that I truly believe in. And so I'm just adding it on top of, you know, what I already know and believe. So that has been um, a seamless transition of sorts. The thing that is the most compelling about Nichiren Buddhism, it's that it emphasizes the universal blah, 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 blah universality of that Buddha nature inside of everyone and that idea that all individuals no matter their creed can achieve enlightenment in their present form and that's what you're fighting for is your own human revolution and by fighting for your own human revolution you also fight for the universe's revolution Most recently I read A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle and that is that has become another spiritual guide that I've added on top of uh, this Nichiren Buddhism practice. And that's what it's about. It's about arming ourselves with everything that is filling our cup in a way that is allowing us to 
better manage this disease. Now, it's taking me a while to figure out exactly what I am trying to do with this community. Initially, it was to shed light on this experience of living with MS. And now I'm realizing that maybe there's there's something else that needs to be done too. I don't have it all figured out, but I was thinking that is feedback I could solicit from all of the listeners. What should we do with this community? Yeah, I, I'm open to suggestions. I knew other MSers would be able to relate to what I was saying, but the diversity of folks I heard from made me realize that while we have this chronic condition, there are a lot of people living with pain in silence in our society. And they too are trying to find ways to form community. When I get really real with myself, it's not that I haven't processed my diagnosis or that I've lost my voice. It's that I fail to connect with that apprehensive 25-year-old version of myself and offering her solace. It's because I'm jealous of her in many ways, if I'm being honest. Despite projecting a resilient facade to others, that 25-year-old unravels emotionally. The unconscious part of me has a deep desire for the rest of the world to acknowledge and console her. Yet in moments of awakening, I understand that it's my own presence she requires the most. What I had to help myself understand was that what happened was traumatic indeed. But in that process, I've been awakened in my faith and it's led me to where I am today. So I just need to focus on replacing that fear of what might be and getting anxious along the way and unnecessary remorse too. I just need to replace all of that with gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. Without this diagnosis, I'd still be walking in my ego and judging other people, to be honest. With that, thank you for tuning in.